In May of 2000, Allison Thresher vanished from her small apartment in Bethesda, Maryland. It was the night before she was supposed to start a new position with the Washington Post. She's never been found, but the mystery surrounding Allison's disappearance has only deepened in the time she's been gone. This is a story of betrayal, anger, stunning accusations, and family secrets unearthed. There are strange coincidences and odd connections, but it is also a story about survival, forgiveness, and incredible courage. What did Allison Thresher know, and who wanted her gone? As you're about to learn, there are many answers to both questions and new clues that are only being revealed in this podcast. I'm Melanie Olnwick, a reporter for the Fox station in Washington, D.C. If you've been following our series, you'll remember that Allison and her husband Jim had recently gone through a nasty divorce. But in the spring before she dropped out of sight, she seemed to be getting her life back on track. Things were just starting to get better. Um, she had like taken my brother and I on a trip to London. Like, I want to say that must have been it was the spring break, so probably March or April. And so, you know, things were looking up. I was difficult on that trip, of course, but, you know, it was fun. And she, you know, as I've grown up, I realized that she, you know, put a lot into being able to take us as a single mother, you know, through take us on this great vacation to this place that she really loved. Um, so things, yeah, they were just starting to kind of look up. That's Hannah, Allison's daughter. She was 12 when she last saw her mother. It was Sunday, May 21st. Hannah and her younger brother, Sam, were starting their week with their father. Allison and Jim's apartments were just minutes from each other on foot. Sam tells me he went by his mom's place on Sangamore Road Sunday night after going to the Andrews Air Force Base air show with a friend. I see it's, it was like early summer, is was that early summer evening, kind of spring-like dampness. I remember the sun, I remember the light was really pretty. I, I still remember like the, the more or less setting sun in the, in the you know, mid evening. Um, I remember, I think she was wearing like a white dress shirt and a skirt and like a long skirt. Um, I, I just remember seeing her. I remember talking to her. I remember, I don't remember quite how her hair was, but her glasses and, um, yeah, and it kind of just being a fun, jovial conversation. Um, I was probably all dressed up in army fatigues. And, um, <laughs> yeah, um, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the last. So I, I, I have these memories of, like, the uh, the walkway that I probably, that I took behind the, the building. That was always, like, my cut from my, my, mom's apartment to my dad's apartment um I, I think i had you know a new army helmet that i had gotten yeah. at the you know something to show off and you know be silly or whatever um so i remember knocking on the door and she was there and she, she had been obviously like writing and smoking a cigarette and like kind of hid the cigarette and you know but i didn't care really i just like whatever like i wasn't she wanted to smoke. I didn't really care. Uh -huh. I just didn't really want to see it ever. Right. Um, 
But um, I remember that specifically because she had told my sister and I a few weeks previous, she took us outside with like a few unopened packs of cigarettes and threw them in the dumpster and said she was quitting smoking. It was it was quite a statement. And then she was smoking right before I said <laughs> like two weeks later, which I can sympathize with more or less. But, um, <laughs> you know, it sticks out in my head. But she and I didn't care. I was just happy to see her. That was the last time I saw her. Um, that was the last time I saw her. And that was, um, yeah, that was the Sunday evening. And she, yeah, she was there. And so that, you know, I remember it was like, okay, well, I'll see you, you know, I'll see you soon. Three days later, Allison was gone. When did you think, okay, she's not coming back? Um, part of, I, I think with just how dark I understood the world was already at that point after the divorce and how, I, I don't know, I kind of knew it. I knew that there wasn't going to be an easy out as soon as this was told to me. I think it was that it was going to end up on the news that night or the next morning. The last time anyone heard from Allison Thresher was about 11 o'clock Tuesday night. And so my dad and, and my stepmom, you know, kind of pulled us in to tell us, look, you know, we, you know, your mother hasn't been at work. You know, we, we don't, you know, kind of, we don't know where she is, but we're looking, everybody's looking for her, and this is going to be on the news. I want to explain here that when Hannah says stepmom, she's referring to Laura St. Clair. Jim Thresher and Laura were seriously dating at the time Allison disappeared. They married in 2010. I mean, again, like, there's no guidebook on how to, how to talk to your children about this happening. So they, you know, they just told us what they knew, which wasn't really anything at that point um just that this was going to be on the news and and people are going to be looking for her and you know um we don't know what's going to happen so they told us you know i think at the appropriate time um and when was that that was that was like i think that thursday i want to say maybe friday um but it was like the evening or the the afternoon before things ended up kind of on the evening news and so you know, I mean, I kind of watched the news a little bit, but I was still relatively young at the time. And, you know, it all was kind of a whirlwind. It, I, it's not like I broke up into tears or got really, really upset. I just, it's so surreal when it's actually going on that, you know, I don't even think I really cried about it for like a month. Like, just because it didn't, it was just like, oh, well, she's going to come back. She has to, you know, like, why would she leave? Because that was sort of the, the narrative at the time was that, well, you know, she did, you know, have s some issues with depression. But um, I, I don't think that she was particularly depressed at the time unless she was really hiding it well from us. A lot of people in this story were hiding things. There was all kinds of deception going on uh, for, with everybody. Like I said before, like my dad was, was lying to my mom. My mom was lying to my dad. First, there's Jim. For one, he was letting Hannah and Sam hang out with someone Allison had directly told him not to. We'll get into that in just a minute. He wasn't forthcoming about his girlfriend, Laura, telling Hannah and Sam to keep quiet about her. 
and Jim, according to divorce records, had been racking up debts. Her sense was that Jim was an angry depressive who would um, resolve his anxieties by going on buying sprees and uh, opening up new credit card accounts. And so she was, on a regular basis, discovering tens of thousands of dollars of expenses on tools and camping equipment um, when she was trying to scrape together um, the enrollment fees for the kids' private schools. That voice is a man we'll call Evan. He was Allison's secret. Well, um, the fact is Allison and I had an intimate relationship while they were married. And, and that continued after they were no longer married. They broke up a few months before Allison vanished. When someone you love, something like this happens, you, you just want reality to turn itself inside out. You, you want to turn back the clock. You, you don't want to believe it's happened. And um, it's, it's, it's sort of the equivalent of having a, a pitchfork stuck into your guts and just pulled out through your stomach. It, it's um, not something you would wish on anyone. And then there's Hannah. And I don't know why I didn't tell anybody. I should caution listeners that parts of this episode may be disturbing to hear, especially for children. Allison and Jim separated when Hannah was in fifth grade and Sam was in third. Friends Community School in College Park was, for a while, a place of peace for the kids. Both parents appeared angry and frazzled, so a teacher reached out to help. So yeah, it started very slowly with him paying more and more attention to me at school. Um, and you know, he also ran the aftercare program in the summer camp, so he had his hands all over the place um, within the school. and. Um, I think, you know, yeah, eventually he just found his time to, to say, well, hey, I can help, and to my mother. Fernando Asturizaga was, at the time, a Spanish teacher in his early 30s, who Hannah says was very popular at the school. Allison was busy with writing jobs. Jim was often on assignment as a staff photographer for the Washington Post. They came to trust Fernando to take care of Hannah and Sam when they were working they shouldn't have. And it was carefully planned. And, you know, the, f the first time that anything ever happened was at her house. Her, meaning Hannah's mother, Allison. And that's one of my more <clears throat> vivid memories of, of what happened, because, you know, it was some as simple as, you know, he would let me get back up out of bed after my brother had gone to sleep. And I felt special because of that. And so, um, you know, it was this, you know, simple as we were, I think I was watching TV and um, he came up and, and sat behind me and I was, you know, it was weird, but I, you know, you, you don't know what to do when that's happening. Um, and then, you know, he started trying to, you know, he was, um, you know, kissing my ears, and that sort of just like was where it was, and that was kind of it, like nothing, you know. It was a very slow, meticulous process that he went through. And you were how old? Um, then I was um, I was 10 years old then. 
Though she's an adult now, Hannah still twirls her braid around her finger when she talks about her relationship with Fernando. We've met for coffee at her apartment. To a kid, you don't even really understand what's going on. Um, and then, you know, it, it's like, oh, I'm getting this attention, but it doesn't feel like regular attention, you know. But at the same time, like I said, after all these years of thinking this person didn't like me, but he was like the cool teacher, but he sort of, I guess, had this, you know, like I said, he played favorites and kind of had this inner circle of, of the older kids that he seemed to, you know, favor over the younger kids. Um, which to me, I think, again, was all carefully planned. But, um, yeah, I think it just sort of fed right into the abuse that, you know, this person's finally, you know, likes me and is paying attention to me and is fun to be around and buys me stuff and takes us places, take, you know, like that kind it of thing. It was the fun guy to be it, around yeah, when, when being around grooming. your mom and dad sometimes weren't so fun. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And, you know, and he was also actively grooming not only me, but my brother as well. Um, although my brother, there was no, um, my brother didn't experience any of the, of the sexual abuse, but he was around when it was going on. Um, and grooming in a way so that your brother wouldn't tell or was, or didn't, just, didn't really distracting him yeah. essentially like let me buy you video games him. yeah exactly so yeah um and it just it just continued on and then he, i mean he eventually did become a family friend to to my father's side of the family you know he would come on vacations with us and um you know all kinds of you know he'd do holidays stuff i mean it was it was constant he really in my opinion I've always said he's groomed our entire family um, and that's why I don't think that you know my father didn't suspect it uh, you know as much as you would think he would just because it he just in, really ingratiated himself deeply into our family I mean to extended family I mean it was crazy and um, so, yeah, so I mean, that's sort of how it, it started and continued, is just, just that, you know, he really was always there, no matter what, and that also put him in an even better position to control me and to make sure that I wasn't going to slip up. Often they went to Vermont and Maine, where Jim and his family have property. It was a house my grandparents built that's on Thresher Road, like it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, you know, it's way back. Family. It's like there's like a family homestead on my dad's side. It's, you know, it's a magical place. Hannah is showing me pictures in an old photo album, the kind with sticky pages where you have to peel back the cellophane. We took this rowboat and rowed to this little island across the bay that nobody lives on, and that's, that's where... So this is... I'm almost positive that this was like the day that, that um, we first had sex. So... Yeah, so, you know, like, when I think about it, like, the lengths that he went to, I mean, like, you should not take this little, like, it's too far to take a rowboat to where he took me, you know, it was just like, yeah, he went to all these lengths to make this happen for himself. Um, you say that you guys first had sex, do mm -hmm. you feel that he raped you? 
I mean, at the time, like, it was the first time he raped me. I guess that's the best way to say it. But at the time, it wasn't presented. Of course, it wasn't presented to me that way. It was, you know, this is going to be your special first time, you know, blah, 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 kind of thing. Like, again, just coercing. That was the summer of 1999. The sexual abuse continued anywhere and everywhere Fernando could get Hannah alone with him. Allison already had her suspicions, but Hannah denied everything and pushed her away. Part of it was just being an 11, 10, 11, 12-year-old girl who is just going through puberty and is hormonal and moody. Um, and then the other half was that there was this man actively every day trying to do whatever he could to turn me against her. And so, um, you know, I mean, that that's probably my biggest um, regret although I don't know that that's the right word for it, but, um, or the thing I feel the most guilty for. Um, but like I said, I, I have pretty much come to terms with it just because I know as I've grown up that she would forgive me for those things and that sure. I didn't mean them, you know, it was just a result of the circumstances. Turns out Allison had warned Fernando in a letter dated April 28, 1999, this was at least three months before Fernando went on that trip to Maine with Jim and the kids, three months before he took Hannah out on that rowboat. Quote, I write to you as someone who's been a friend and a great help to me and my family the last couple years. Several times over the last several months, I have expressed my concern to you that my daughter, Hannah, has formed an excessive emotional bond with you. When I made it clear that I did not want the two of you to be alone together, you assured me that you would, in fact, no longer babysit for Hannah and Sam. That was not true. And this led me to wonder whether this unnatural attachment is a mutual one. Frankly, I'm disappointed. I would hope as an employee of an educational institution, you would be more sensitive to these concerns. Then Allison cut off ties. Remember we talked about a letter found in the Thresher divorce documents, the one that was written to the school? It was dated June 9, 1999. Allison told the head of the school that their teacher was having an inappropriate relationship with Hannah, and she said she would not give her permission for the kids to attend anymore. She writes, quote, I find it amazing and reckless that you, Friends Community School Board members, and Fernando Estorizaga would side with James Thresher in a court battle in which he seeks to take Hannah and Sam Thresher away from their mother that you and the school and the school board would forgive Mr. Thresher's long-standing past debt is evidence that you and the board have taken sides in what is becoming an ever more public battle. Hannah remembers when her mom tried to hand deliver that letter to the school. Because I remember it was a big scene when she came to the school to try and drop it off because I think my dad ended up being happening to be there when she showed up and it turned into, you know, drama. You know, you remember how you felt at that moment, even if you don't remember exactly why you felt that way. But how did you feel? Um, I, no, I just remember being like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, I can't believe this is happening here. You know, this was like my mother is freaking out in the school parking lot, you know. And so I knew trying this letter to give existed, them a letter saying saying this is happening. Um, and they didn't want to take it. Well, I'm not sure what the why the fight I think I don't, you know, like I said, I don't remember what the fight, what instigated it, um, whether it was just that my dad was there and he knew what she was doing and was trying, you know, I don't really know. Um, it could be, could have just been somebody at the school being a jerk to her. There's a letter that they wrote back. To me, it, you know, it was like a page long, like, you know, mm -hmm. 
fuck off kind of thing to me. I just got a copy of that letter. It's quite forceful. The head of school writes, quote, we are mystified by your allegations of some type of inappropriate relationship between Fernando Esturzaga and your daughter. Fernando is a warm and helpful caregiver to Hannah, as he is to every other student with whom he has contacted FCS. There has never been any hint of inappropriate behavior on his part, nor have you provided any facts on which to base these allegations. We at the school know these allegations to be unfounded and untrue. The letter continues, quote, Unfortunately, your letter and other communications are of such an extreme nature and tone that we believe it's not in the best interest of the school or our employees to enroll either of your children in our summer camp this year. The letter ends telling Allison that her children would be welcome back if she will, quote, discontinue the recent course she had taken. The letter was copied to Fernando Esturizaga, Jim Thresher, Allison's divorce lawyer, and the Quaker meeting that Allison belonged to. So to get Hannah away from Fernando, Allison moved to Montgomery County and enrolled her kids in school there. Then Jim moved too, just a mile away from Allison's new apartment on Sangamore Road. I remember she was a little concerned about that, but she didn't say anything specific. And I wasn't savvy enough to really pick up on the depth of her concern. It's the kind of thing that jumps out at me now in retrospect. Um, but uh, she was just, shall we say, pensive and quiet when she mentioned it to me. Fernando tagged along as well, continuing to hang out at Jim's place with the kids. When Allison found out, she was very angry. I think that sort of was my father's perspective on it, was that, you know, it's just Allison trying to, to you know, mess things up and keep, you know, keep keep it going, keep the fight going. Detectives Mark Janney and Katie Leggett will later learn of a clash between Allison, Jim, and Fernando. She confronted him when he was arriving to Jim's residence with the kids one day. Did she slap him? Um, that's what has been reported to us. So she had a temper too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. fiery. She was fiery. Later court testimony says Hannah and her brother saw Allison slap both Fernando and Jim. Sam remembers it vividly. That happened. That happened. Like, my mom smacked Fernando like a fucking three weeks or a few, few weeks before, maybe even less before she disappeared and was like, what the fuck are you doing around my kids? Like, I fucking told you not to be around. You know, freaking out. She was becoming very keen to the relationship between her daughter and Mr. Ashley And that was consuming her, as you can imagine, it would. And she was, she was right on point with what her mom, I call it mom gut, was telling her. None of this was part of the investigation into Allison Thresher's disappearance in the early days. Not the letters, not the fights, not even Fernando Esturizaga. Hannah didn't mention him, and police back then didn't really ask, one of the many missteps early on. It was definitely staged, meaning things were placed to look to make it look like the narrative that person wanted the police to get. And there are more that we'll explore in our next episode. You might want to bring a pen and a notebook.
Thank you for listening to this podcast, and please subscribe to Missing Pieces for the rest of this incredible story. I couldn't have done this in-depth work without the help of other people, including my colleague, Fox 5 photographer and editor, Ronnie McRae, and the Montgomery County Police Department. We'd also like to give credit to Rose Audio for our original music. And a special thank you to Sarah Thomas, Allison Thresher's sister, and Allison's children, Hannah and Sam. They are survivors and strong, and they're hoping you, the listeners, can help them find Allison Thresher.